This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, I'm Kiever O'Neill and I'll be your host for what is going to be a very special edition of the Blood Red podcast where I'm joined by one of Europe's finest football journalists who will be on hand to give a view from Madrid ahead of Liverpool's Champions League showdown with Atletico Madrid this Tuesday. Very pleased to say I'm joined by the Guardian's very own Sid Lowe. Sid, welcome. Thank you. Uh, hope I haven't interrupted your siesta or indeed your ground hopping because I know you're always in a football ground. <laughs> No, I'm currently I'm currently got the telly on watching the Mallorca against Alaves. It's one 0 to Mallorca in case you're interested. Yeah, we are. That's what that's what we've invited you on the show for. Um yeah, so obviously we look ahead to Liverpool's uh, clash with Atletico Madrid this Tuesday. Obviously, first up we have to ask you about Liverpool. Um they're on course to win the first Premier League title ever, the first title in thirty years. But then a massive drought, you know, fans are waiting for that to happen. Um the reigning champions of the world, Super Cup winners, of course, Champions League winners. What do you make of this Liverpool team? Well, basically that it's extraordinary. Um, what Liverpool are doing is, is you know, it's 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 going to break records. I think there's a, of course, there's a sense now that the, the title is so, um, so much a guarantee now that the kind of the focus will be on whether or not they can break a points record, whether or not they can finish the season unbeaten. And, and, and that, that tells you something about how, how successful they've been. I was in Bilbao the other day listening to the, the Argentina manager, Lionel Scaloni, and, and he was asked about facing Brazil at the at the uh, Copa America in the summer and, and the, the, the difficulties that that poses. And he says, well, yeah, but there are no unbeatable teams. And then there was a pause and he said, well, apart from Liverpool. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, how do they compare in terms of, obviously you've been in Spain for many years now, watching some of the best Barcelona, Real Madrid and indeed Atletico sides. How do this, does this Liverpool team compare with those? Well, I mean, I think it's it's very different stylistically. Obviously, I mean, on, on one level, we, you need to talk about the, the success of it, the quality of the football, the, the results that they're achieving. But I think, obviously, stylistically, this is different. And one of the things that makes Liverpool, I think, so interesting from a Spanish point of view is that shift, is the the, the, the shift towards a game that, that's hyper-intense, that presses very high, but is also capable of going long when it needs to, that, that really kind of physically drives the opposition into the ground. And, and and that's been really interesting because, of course, what we had here in particular with, with Guardiola against Mourinho was this sense that there were two ways of playing football. And one was the direct way and one was the possession game. And now you've got this team... Um, that, that seems to be kind of a hybrid of the two, you know, that's able to do both things. It's able to play in a way um, that, that can dominate games, but also doesn't mind if there are moments where the possession is, 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 is it, you know, is at the feet of the opposition, where it doesn't mind if it has to kind of soak up a bit of pressure and then break. And, and I think there's a sense that this Liverpool team probably, you know, no one here, I think, is talking, is, is, is debating about whether this team is as big as that Guardiola-Barcelona side. Because, of course, that side won, won two Champions Leagues um, because that side reached a, a quality, if you like, of technical football that was that was off the scale. And also because when you look at it in terms of a generation, you also factor in the, fa- the, the fact that Spain won the European Championships in 2008, again in 2012, and the World Cup in 2010. So all of that is seen as being part of the success of a particular idea of football, a particular model, which is very much Barcelona. So there isn't, I don't think here, a debate about, well, are these teams as good as Barcelona? Everyone assumes, no, they're not. But what the debate is about and what the interest is focused on is the way that they seem to have broken that paradigm, that idea that it's one thing or another. And in fact, here's a team that sort of does everything. 
Yeah, and on the other hand now, obviously, we've seen Atletico aren't at their best at this current point. Um, maybe not as watertight as they used to. I think they've conceded um, a lot more goals than they did last season. And obviously, that sort of, that veil's slipping a little bit now. Do you think, you know, Liverpool are going to stand? Do you think they're going to um, go all out? Or can Diego Simeone, who is the king of the 1-0 wins, can he, you know, prevent Liverpool from doing what, what they want to do? Yeah, well, as you say, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there. This is Simeone, who's the king of the 1-0 wins. But this year, that's not the case. And and I think we we look at Atletico this season, and it's not just that the results are the worst they've been in all the time that Simeone's been there, that they've been knocked out of the Copa del Rey by a team from a division below them for the first time since Simeone came. In fact, it was a Copa del Rey defeat that brought him in in the first place, what, it's eight years ago now. But it is that sense that this Simeone team isn't, even good at the things that Simeone teams are supposed to be good at. So that 1-0 win thing just isn't there anymore. It's true that you watch them and their fundamental problem is still that they don't score enough goals. But it used to be that the one goal was enough. And now this season, for a lot of the season, it's felt like the one goal isn't enough. It's felt like there's a kind of a, uh, if you like, an identity crisis. They've bought different types of players. Obviously, Jao Felix is the one that really stands out. 126 million euros for a kind of a, a floaty, creative second striker, which is almost the the absolute antithesis of what Simeone is supposed to want in his players. And that does sort of lead you into this position where you feel like Simeone has created expectations far greater than than had ever happened before. And he's now sort of paying for them because now the demands are different. The demands to play a different type of football, a kind of football which in part, it, it, it seems he doesn't properly feel, that he doesn't properly believe in. And so I think we're, we're looking at Atletico Madrid side that that is going through an identity crisis as much as anything else. And in terms of the, if you like, the mentality or the mindset going into this game, there's absolutely no doubt that the immense majority of Atletico Madrid fans think they have no chance. You know, because the way they look at it, if you look at the way that it's it's been kind of talked about since they were knocked out the Copa del Rey three weeks ago now, it was like, well, you know, we're I think it's, uh, what is it, at nine points behind in the league. It might even be more than that. Actually, I think it might be 13 at the moment. 13 points behind in the league, out of the Copa del Rey, and it's Liverpool in the Champions League. And of course, and it's Liverpool in the Champions League is shorthand for, and we're not going to win that either. Um, and, I, and I think there is a really significant sense of pessimism. I was at the the Wanda Metropolitano when they played the last home game before facing Liverpool. And because it was the last one before facing Liverpool, they, they'd won 1-0, hadn't played particularly well. They went to the fans at the end to clap. And there was this kind of, right, OK, this is the fans' way of saying, OK, we're, we're with you and we've got that big Champions League coming up so we can, we can do this. But it was only the fans at one end of the ground. And there was a few people who kind of timidly sang, yes, yes, we can. But of course, the whole point of that message is it's a message that is is about kind of trying to, cling on to some idea of hope in a context of deep down believing there isn't any. And I think I think most people at Atletico Madrid, look, it's Atletico, it's football, stranger things have happened. Of course, no one's absolutely writing them off, but very few people in Madrid, I think, genuinely think that Atletico uh, have a significant chance of going through. You mentioned there Jao Felix, who obviously made the move, the massive move uh, in terms of transfer fees. You know, he, he was a player Liverpool will link with. Um, obviously, he's got big shoes to sort of fill in terms of goals even at such a young age with Antoine Griezmann making the move to Barcelona. How has he fared um, this season and do you expect him to play against Liverpool? Uh, I, th- I think there's a there's a strong chance that he doesn't make it for the Liverpool game. Um, he wasn't included in the squad for, for the game against Valencia. He's had, he was coming back from an injury and then and then had a throat infection, so it was it was even harder. We th- we think that that Morata will make it, but the Costa and Jal Felix probably won't. Although they haven't been entirely ruled out yet. He had a very good start to the season. 
in the sense that in a team that wasn't necessarily finding its feet creatively, he was a one person making things happen. But there's there's been and, you know, this takes us back to what we were saying before. There's been this sense of disconnect that, that you know, this is a guy whose footballing identity is one that actually isn't Atletico's. And so it's been difficult to find a particular role for him earlier in the season. Simeone insisted two or three times. I like him on the right hand side when, of course, people were saying, no, he's got players a number 10 with a freedom behind the striker. Um, he's played there. He's played on the left. He's played on the right. He was absolutely brilliant against Juventus, for example. But the truth is that his really, really good performances have been pretty few and far between. And and so I think while he's young enough that nobody is suggesting this has been a mistake, because, you know, as I say, there have been very good performances. I think there is a debate now about what role he plays, about whether um, Simeone is, is, is the right manager to help him become the player that we all believe he can be. And I think, obviously, he's partly as well a victim of expectation because he joined Atletico Madrid for a huge fee, and then, of course, he was absolutely brilliant in pre-season um, when they beat Real Madrid 7-3. And there was this sense of, wow, this kid is genuinely special. You know, this is the guy that's going to dominate La Liga for the next 10 years. And as it turned out, so far, he hasn't dominated La Liga for the next 10 months. Speaking of um, Diego Simeone before, uh, there was one time, wasn't there, when Jürgen Klopp and him were the sort of most two sought-after managers in the world. Obviously, Klopp makes his move to Liverpool and then, you know, we've mentioned a little bit that Simeone sort of struggled a little bit. Of course, he won the league, been to two Champions League finals, although they ended so cruelly in defeat. Um, do you think his stock has fallen in terms of how, where Jürgen is now and how he hasn't sort of pushed on? Should he have maybe, do you think, made the move to to somewhere else. He's always been one that's linked with even a Premier League move. Do you see that happening maybe in the future? Well, I think his plan has always been um, focused more on Italy than on England in terms of a move after Atletico Madrid. But he's so identified with Atletico that there wasn't a, a determination to move on. I, I think in terms of saying, could he have pre- pushed on? I think that's... <laughs> There is a debate now about Simeone, which didn't exist before. And he's still an untouchable figure in terms of um, what Atletico fans think, in terms of his significance for the club. And I think most people would like the the transition into a different type of Atletico Madrid to be led by him. But because of the fact that they've now, they're now in a position where they're spending the kind of money that they didn't before, there is now this sense that people have of, well, is this the right kind of manager for this? And so in that sense, yes, his stock has fallen, but I suppose in a way, only because it was so extraordinary, extraordinarily high, I guess because those two Champions League finals, even though, as you say, they lost them, are now sliding into the distance a little bit because the league title is uh, that they won is now, was it, five years ago. So there is this sense that maybe this is losing a bit of momentum. Now, I don't think that's necessarily been seen in terms of his status as far as what he could do in the future is concerned, but more in terms of his status at Atletico Madrid, that for the first time, I think, at Atletico Madrid, there are some doubts about him. For the first time, there there is a sense that maybe, you know, maybe this is coming towards the end now, which no one wants because, you know, he is, I think, historically probably, he's probably one of three men who are untouchable in Atletico Madrid's history, the other being Luis Aragon and Fernando Torres. And, and I think that it would be sad more than anything else if he went with anything other than success. But at the moment, there is that that small doubt. Um, obviously, you're here to give us the view from Spain. How are the Spanish press sort of building up to this game? You know, how, what's the sort of view there on Liverpool's incredible season and sort of Jürgen Klopp maybe his future? Do they, do Real Madrid and Barcelona, are they int- obviously they're interested, who isn't interested yeah. in yeah. the best manager in the world right now? But you see that as sort of maybe a future well, for... That- 
No, well, you see, that interest, I think, is tempered by the fact that there's a there's an understanding that there's no reason for him to leave Liverpool yet, that this isn't something that's on the cards right now. And, and also because we're not in the midst of a process in which Real Madrid are looking for a new manager because Zidane has started to get things right. And so when Zidane was under pressure in the autumn and they went away to Istanbul in October, I think it was, and I think genuinely do believe that had they not won that game, and in particular had they been beaten badly, there's a chance that Zidane would have been sacked. And so at that point, Klopp's name gets mentioned again. But of course, at that point, everybody sort of laughs at the suggestion. Yeah, what? Because Klopp's going to leave Liverpool halfway through the season when they're now possibly the best team in the world. When they're, you know, when they're on course for what looks like a great season. And obviously, back in the autumn, it didn't look quite as great as it does now. Um, but of, of course, he's a name that's, that sort of floats in the background. But I don't think that it, he's a name that's sort of immediately on the radar, partly because there is a recognition that that Liverpool are better than anything else that he could go to right now. Now, look, Madrid and Barcelona never stop being enormous clubs. They never stop being attractive to someone like Klopp or to any manager. Um, but I don't, as I say, I don't think it's a, a, an immediate issue because there's just this sense that, well, yeah, but he is a Liverpool manager and they are better than anyone else. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, you mentioned there sort of the Barcelona and Real Madrid, you know, they're not as good as Liverpool are right now, but still the the two big teams in the world. Yeah. What would yeah. it almost take for Liverpool to, or can they never sort of, you know, su- yeah, surpass them in terms of, you know, being the big team? It would take, you think, a lot, many years for that, but... Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to, 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 to make a judgment call on that because, of course, you know, a lot of that is driven by success. And so let's say for argument's sake, and, and I'm not for a minute saying this is going to happen, but, you know, let's say for argument's sake, Liverpool win three Champions Leagues in a row like Real Madrid did, or Liverpool go and win the league title and, and, and then win it again and then again or, and, and continue to rack up enormous points totals. Let's say all that kind of stuff happens, which, as I say, is a huge leap of faith anyway. I think even then... There's something obviously about Madrid and Barcelona that they are names. I mean, we should never forget that Liverpool is an enormous name anyway, um, because its success is, I was going to say it's nothing new. I suppose it is new now in the context of the last 30 years, but its success is nothing new historically. So Liverpool is still a huge name. And, and genuinely, I think we shouldn't underestimate this. Every time a Spanish team plays Liverpool in the Champions League, there's an excitement here and there's excitement and a respect for the history particularly for Anfield, this idea that it's genuinely different. And you and you know, you talk to Spaniards, journalists, footballers, and they go and think this isn't just a cliche that's created. This place is different. You know, this genuinely is different to anything we see in Spain. So there's a huge amount of respect. But of course, yeah, the bottom line still is it, it's Madrid and Barcelona. You know, they're in in terms of just boom, a name. If you say to, if you go on the street in any city in Europe and say, you know, tell me the three biggest clubs in the world and you ask a 1,000 people, 950 of those 1,000 people will include Madrid and Barcelona in that list of the three biggest clubs in the world. And maybe, well, right now, would half of those people include Liverpool? Maybe. Quite a lot would include United. Quite a lot would include Juventus. Quite a lot would include Milan. Um, Who knows? But, I mean, Liverpool are right, right up there. But those two clubs still have that, obviously, that little touch of something a bit different. Yeah, so obviously we've spoke about how maybe the Spanish press are looking at this one. We see, obviously, Liverpool's front three more than anyone linked with a move to Real and Barca. Do you think, is there anything in that? Are those clubs interested? I mean, of course, like Klopp, there's going to be interest. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the answer, isn't it? That... That what what what? How stupid does a club have to be to not be interested in Salah, Firmino, or, or Mane? Uh, you've got to be doing something seriously wrong if you don't think you're interested in them. I suppose as well, this comes back to what you were saying before about the or asking before about the idea of of, of the size of club. That for players like that, 
um, you know, obviously for for an English player and particularly for for a scouser, so for Trent Alexander Arnold, it's different, of course, because Liverpool is everything. Um, but a player that's grown up in in Egypt or a player that's grown up, you know, anywhere outside of the UK, the possibility of going to Middlesbrough or Barcelona is always going to be a draw. There's always going to be that sense of yeah, wouldn't it be nice? Um, but I guess it's 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 like any. I suppose if you look at it in terms of of, of movement for. You know any kind of human movement. There's a push and a pull factor. Now, obviously, the pull factor is the size of the club, a Madrid or a Barcelona. The push factor is for some reason you might not necessarily want to be at Liverpool anymore. But right now, that Liverpool has a greater pull possibly than those those other clubs, except in name. There is always a sense, I suppose, of a new you know a new experience, a new adventure, a new challenge for players, which means that that I, I guess that for people like like Salah in particular, perhaps Madrid and Barcelona are always going to be attractive. But right now. They must look at this and think, well, why would I want to be anywhere else? Exactly. Um, what, are, what are your sort of predictions for this match and then maybe for, you know, getting to Anfield? Do you think that'll change the approach to Atleti or are they very much in the home? Because obviously the Wanderers is almost Liverpool's home. I think Atletico did treat, yeah. uh, tweet that after Liverpool won yeah. the Champions League final there. So is it a case of um, finally reclaiming the home for Atleti? Because obviously Liverpool have won at the most special night. In yeah, I mean, look, emotionally, emotionally, I think there is an element of that of Atletico Madrid wanting to to feel like they've they've reclaimed it a little bit, or at least um, that they competed. Because genuinely, the the sort of mindset a little bit in Spain at the moment is that this this is a foregone conclusion that Liverpool win. They probably win very comfortably, uh, and I think there would be some satisfaction taken from Atletico Madrid of competing, of going to Anfield with the with the tie still alive, of feeling like they're in it. Obviously, the greatest satisfaction would be going through, and I don't think anyone is completely given up on that. Um, I think in terms of the games, it's, it's one of the things that's been interesting listening to Spanish um, colleagues and players talk about this is that Liverpool feel different to other clubs. That because Atletico Madrid are a team, obviously, who, who over the years have made a huge success of massively overachieving, of beating teams that should be better than Bayern Munich, Barcelona. Um, you know, coming through against against Juventus, for example, these kind of games, and yet in each case, those teams have been good at something. I think part of the problem is, and, and certainly this is something that, that gets talked about a bit in Spain, is they look at Liverpool and think, yeah, but this team are good at everything. So, you know, if we play hyper-defensive, park the bus and try and play on the break, yeah, but Liverpool are capable of doing that. Capable of playing a way that finds a way through. If we play very, very intense and press very high against them because, you know, to try and stop them bringing the ball out from the back, yeah, but they can then go long if they want to. So there's a sense, I think, that Liverpool have more variety to their game than any of these teams that they've beaten before, and that makes it harder. I do think, though, that, that, that of course, Atletico Madrid, if, if, if only because, of course, they don't have the strikers and because they don't score enough goals, they will probably look at this as being, let's make this as defensively as defensive as we can. Let's make this as tight as we can. Let's deny Liverpool the space. Let's try and make it hard for them to score goals. And, yeah, they may well find a way through. They probably will. But but I think I think the mindset probably will be to try and get through the first game with the tie still alive and probably with there having been relatively few go- goals to go back to Anfield. And, of course, the other thing they will be thinking, I'm sure, is that if they can be in a position where Liverpool haven't scored at one of Metropolitano and they can go to Anfield where an away goal would have that extra value, then I think they'd be very, very pleased to be travelling with that kind of position. So, for example, in Neil at the Wonder, I think Atletico Madrid would be delighted with that. Yeah, um, you said there that, you know, Liverpool are good at everything. It is hard to find a weakness in, you know, an undefeated uh, team. Do you think there will be one position in particular or one part of the pitch that Atleti might have a you know a, more of a chance than any other say? Um, it's, I, 
I, I must say, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I look at the, if you look at it in terms of the lines of the pitch, goalkeeper, midfield, defence and, and attack, I think in all three lines, Liverpool are better than Atletico Madrid in all of them. You know, so for example, in the past when Atletico Madrid have beaten Barcelona, you think, well, obviously Barcelona are better in possession. They've got better forwards. But Atletico are very good at defending and then can hit them on the break. You look at Liverpool and you think, that's not really the clear option this time. Because if you try and do that, you'll probably get caught anyway. And so I think all the way through the pitch, you, you say Liverpool are better. But I think Atletico's own mindset means that I think their focus will be will be defensive. Their focus will be on trying to deny um, Liverpool the space to run into. Now, obviously, that doesn't deny Liverpool all of the things that they can do. But I think the focus will probably be on whatever we do, we don't allow Liverpool to play that easy ball that sets Mane or Solar off on a run. That's that's the fundamental thing. And so I think we will probably see a, a quite deep, quite defensive Atletico side. Um, what's, do you know the latest on Diego Costa? Obviously, I think he was out injured. Is he um, back yeah, for this training, one? Or? There's a training session tomorrow. Um I think he probably doesn't make it. I think if he does, I mean, he's been training now for a week or so, um, but not always the entire session with his teammates. He's been doing work on his own as well. He's, he's, he's putting in the hours now to try and make this happen. I think if he does make it and he is included in the squad, my guess is that he doesn't start. And that if he does start, it's because they're thinking, right, we take this risk no matter what. You know, he may not be fully fit. He may not last the 90 minutes, but we need that. And, of course, one of the things that Atletico Madrid are conscious of with with Costa, um, and we'll come to the floor of this idea in a minute, but one of the things they're conscious of with Costa is is that that, that power to intimidate, you know, that power to, to, to bully defenders, to be aggressive, to run beyond them, to run into them, to crash crash against them, to, to bring the ball down from high, to, to, to do all of those things that Atletico really don't have that intimidation factor um, without him. And they really do lack it because although Alvaro Morata is a very strong player and physically uh, um, very good and very dynamic and, 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 and quite athletic, he doesn't intimidate in the same way. And so I think they, they're, they're, there's a sense that Costa is really, really important because of that. Now, of course, the flaw in that is what? You're going to intimidate Van Dijk. Good luck with that one, pal. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think Costa, that'll be a massive boost for Liverpool if it he's not playing would, yeah. because yeah. obviously the history he's got there playing for Chelsea. Uh, I think he's got a good goal scoring record. I think maybe the odd sending off here and there. He, he loves a red card. We know that. Um, but then who leads the line for Atletico if they're, they're well, missing him? Well, that's the question. Um, I think the, the, I mean, in the last few weeks, they've been playing without centre-forward because they've had no Jao Felix, they've had no Costa, they've had no Morata, so they've been playing with Angel Correa, who's actually responded very, very well, even though he's not centre-forward playing up front, sometimes on his own, sometimes with, with Vitolo joining him from just behind. My guess is, given the likely fitness of the players and, and the situation they'll find them in, my guess is that we'll probably see them play with Alvaro Morata up front and, and Angel Correa, Correa just off him. And then I suspect that they'll try and pack a very a relatively tight and probably quite narrow midfield four um, because I don't think Costa makes it to start, but it's not impossible. Um, I don't think Jao Felix makes it to start. So I, I think we'll probably see Alvaro Morata, who was just coming back from injury. And I think we'll probably see him up front with Correa. Very good. Um, obviously, I know you were at the, uh, the Champions League final last season, uh, last year, um, as was I. Um, thousands of Liverpool fans obviously descended on the city of Madrid. Do you think Madrid locals will be looking forward to the return of Liverpool fans or what was their sort of 
reaction last time? How did the Champions League go down? And sort of because I know Liverpool like took absolutely hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fans. How were they sort of thought of by the the locals? That was actually one of the most um, pleasing things about the Champions League final because obviously, as you can imagine, the build up to the final, there was this this kind of idea of panic, this sense that. Uh, there's going to be 100,000 English football fans here, not just Liverpool, but Spurs as well. You know, and obviously Liverpool took something like 70 or 80,000. There was probably 40, maybe 50,000 Spurs fans. There were, there were, the city was absolutely packed, and there was fear. There was, a, there was a sense that this could be problematic, and it went so well, and it was, you know, it was so enjoyable. There was so little trouble. There were so few problems that afterwards, and and obviously I say this as as an Englishman who who lives in Spain. And who kind of saw this and thought, oh, God, I hope we're, you know, I hope there's no trouble. And not least because I could see the Spanish kind of reaction before it happened, thinking, you know, they think there's going to be trouble. They think we're, you know, they think English football fans are bad news. And I really hope that this is a chance to demonstrate differently. And that's exactly what happened. And there was it was a really, really positive reaction to it afterwards, a real sense that, actually, you know what, this was great. We should have more Champions League finals. This is problem free. Brought loads of people in City. People spent a lot of money. They got on with everyone. It was a really nice atmosphere. And so I think there is a sense now, I wouldn't go so far as to say there's a sense that looking forward to Liverpool fans coming back, because of course everyone knows it's different playing a game against Atletico and playing a final where there's that many people and it's the entire city. You know, because this time around, I think officially Liverpool have sold, I think it's 3,000 tickets. Obviously, there'll be more than that. But, but the numbers are miles off what they were back then, of course. Um, and so there hasn't been a kind of a big sense of, oh, here come the Liverpool fans again. But in a way, that in itself tells its story. Because on any game in which uh, English football fans travel in Spain, there is that idea of, oh, here come all the hooligans. Well, that hasn't happened this time. And, and, and that in itself is, is very good news, I think. Yeah, definitely. So uh, last question for you, Sid. What do you think the score will be? Uh, I think Atletico will try to keep the score down, um, but I don't think they'll succeed in stopping Liverpool entirely. So I guess if I had to predict something for the first game, I'd say Liverpool to win 2-1. Very good. Um, Well, thanks for joining us, Sid. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, And if any listeners haven't listened to uh, the Spanish football podcast, I can't highly recommend it enough. It's brilliant for all your La Liga needs. Um, Yeah, so thanks a lot for that, Sid. Pleasure. All right. Adios to Sida Madrid and Tra from Liverpool. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.